Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to On The Line. It's Tuesday, November 8th, and here's what to expect on today's show. We will have an interview with a recently minted Pennsylvania state champion. We'll go over state action from across the U.S., and then we'll dive into the wild bandit situation that happened in Texas on Friday. From there, we'll explain some speed ratings, expand on the regional landscape coming up into that regional championship season, and then we'll finish with some discussion, as always, on the national meet of the week. I'm Corey Mull here with my co-hosts, Olivia Ekbenet and Ashley Titians. Uh, thanks for joining me, ladies. How are you? Fantastic. You're good. How are you? Awesome. I, I can't complain. I The World Cup's coming up in two weeks, ladies. Are you, are you going to be watching? I guess. I'm not the biggest <laughs> soccer fan, but I'll watch. We know you'll be, we know you'll be watching it for sure, Corey. Hey, you can't be haters when the U.S. is playing against the world, right? Everybody gets into that. So, um, yeah, really looking forward to to that. I know, I know, Liv, you, you have you love Washington football, but they're not so good this year, right? <laughs> no, they've been breaking my heart along with my Aggies. So it's just it's just not the season. It's just not the season. I'm pushing forward, though. Okay, well, m- maybe they'll make a comeback sometime. I don't know. All right, let's get into our interview for this week. We have Hatborough Horsham senior Brian DeCola. Uh, he's coming off this weekend's huge win at the PIAA AAA race in Hershey, where he went head-to-head with Drew Griffith and put down an epic win. Uh, it was Brian's fifth straight of the year. Earlier this year, he ran a course record at Paul Short, downing Gary Martin's one-year-old record. And, you know, all things considered, Brian looks amazing this year and, and is on the verge, really, of, you know, national qualifying postseason. So I'm um, really encouraged by what he's done. And, and Brian, thank you for being on the show with us. How are you? Uh, I'm great. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Let's start with Hershey. Let's start with the state championships in Pennsylvania. You picked up an amazing win there at Parkview, clocking a time of 15:24. And honestly, it just felt like a really, really big statement out of you. Uh, how did how does it feel for you a couple of days after that that win? Uh, that that win feels great. You know, it feels like a culmination of my entire season. You know, I've been putting in work, and I'm just glad I was able to get it done. Absolutely. So as I told you before this show started, I'm from Hershey. I know Parkview pretty well. I've been to the state championships a handful of times. I even actually tried to get on the course once, but it is private land and I got kicked off. Uh, But I'm curious on your end, 
where, what do you feel was the maybe hardest section of the course? What are some of the things you like about Parkview and things you just, you know, have to battle through? Uh, well, um, Parkview's a very, very hilly course. So I'd say um, the first mile is mostly downhill. And then right towards the end of it, you got this massive hill. Uh, and then you kind of go right after that massive hill, you go downhill real quick, and then you have another really big uphill. So that's the hardest part. It's probably, uh, just the winding hills right towards the first mile. Um, and then, yeah, the rest of it, you know, it's, it gets flat for a little bit and then you have a final massive uphill again, uh, like a 180 long uphill. And then, you know, you straight away to the finish. Yeah, so you just had to keep pushing away. So as we mentioned at the state championships, you and Drew were pretty much going head-to-head over the course of that whole 5K race. What were some of those things that you were telling yourself to keep going, especially when you were encountering those big hills? And when did you decide to make your move to grab the victory? Uh, So the whole time, I I knew Drew would go out hard. So I was like, I'm going to give him three seconds. And uh, as I was running, I just kept counting uh, the seconds between us. And I just tried to keep the gap not too long. Uh, I think the longest it got was about four seconds halfway through the race. And then, um, finally got caught right up to him with about maybe 600 to go. And then, uh, 400 to go, I took the lead and just kind of went with it. Yeah. So it was just all gas, no breaks for you, which is amazing. But however, you're not the only Decola that's tearing up Pennsylvania right now. Your sister Lillian is having a breakout sophomore season as well. What is it like having that sibling dynamic and just competing in the same sport as well? Uh, so having siblings to, you know, run with is great. Uh, I actually have two younger brothers too. Um, but Lily came in this year, uh, and she's, she's fierce. So, you know, it's great to have someone to uh, run with, compete with, um, that kind of thing, and celebrate with. Brian, I wanted to follow up on your matchup with Drew. Do you feel like you were underrated a bit in this race? I mean, you guys are stacked up pretty evenly, but was there any part of you that felt like you were you were seen as the underdog? Uh, well, you know, I think that it's kind of a east-west kind of thing. So he's on the western side of the state. So if you were from that side of the state, you kind of thought – uh, he was the favorite. And if you're from district one, the area that I'm from, you probably thought I was the favorite. So, and we had never raced each other this whole season. So, uh, coming into this race was kind of like a uh, clash of the Titans kind of thing. Yeah. No, yeah, Brian. I mean, we've talked about it. You had that matchup with drew over the weekend, but I mean, Hey, earlier this season, let's talk about that Paul short run. We all know the season that Gary Martin had last year. What was going through your mind when you went into the Paul Short meet, when you broke his record, and, you know, how did that help you move forward throughout this, you know, historic season? So when I was going into the Paul Short meet, you know, I saw breaking the course record as a possibility, uh, and I didn't really see it happening. Uh, And then just during the race, I felt so strong. You know, I had um, some great competitors like Rory Lieberman uh, took it out, uh, and I just kind of sat on him, and then once it was done and I got the win, you know, that really boosted my confidence. It was the first time I thought, you know, maybe I have a chance at the state course record. So, uh, you know, that just really motivated me. Well, Hey, now you've done States and you've gotten all those records there and, you know, going ahead, we know that you're entered for running lane nationals coming up in December and, you know, what are your hopes for Huntsville? And then just, you know, kind of overall, what's the plan going into, you know, the postseason? So, uh, for Huntsville specifically, uh, Gary ran, I think, 1424 last year. So, 
Uh, goals, obviously, um, to try and go for that time. You know, it would be the fastest uh, cross-country time from a Pennsylvania boy. Um, so that's that's my main goal there. And then I'm also going to do East Bay uh, regionals. And, you know, goal there is obviously top 10, try and qualify for um, nationals. What's it like to follow up a season like Gary's? I mean, he gave, you know, he gave everyone in PA a little bit of an incentive to chase after some of these marks, but you're doing it. You and Drew both are kind of doing it. What's it feel like to follow up Gary? So I've actually known Gary for a long time. We, we raced on the same uh, CYO team. Uh, so just to follow in his footsteps is like, it, it's a great feeling, you know, um, and to be like going for his records because he set them really high. He set a really high bar. So even the like, you know, get them and just, uh, compete like at the same level as he did last year. You know, it's a great feeling. Yeah, I think you're a great story overall to what, what you've accomplished in PA so far. Have your, you know, with the success you've had, have any of your expectations changed as your success has strengthened a little bit? Or, or is this right where you have, like, where you saw yourself being? Uh, I, can't say I saw myself being here, you know, um, but I think that each year I've definitely progressed really well. Uh, as a freshman, I did have like uh, definitely goals and I accomplished pretty much everything I've wanted to so far. So I'm just hoping I can keep that going. But um, yeah, just the expectations for me, uh, they've definitely changed. What's the, the one or two bucket list items that are left uh, on the season. You just talked about time and East Bay. Maybe those are the two ones, but do you have anything? Uh, or is that what you're kind of going for at this point? Essentially. Yeah. And then I've also got, you know, a, a two mile on the track, which uh, might have to run solo. We'll see what kind of happens, but I'm just going to go for a good time there as long as it's not too cold. Well, we're definitely excited to see you just keep knocking the things off your bucket list. You know, track and field is such a unique sport along with cross country. And I feel like a lot of athletes get to know a lot about themselves. What has the sport specifically taught you about yourself? Uh, so, it, you know, it's taught me how to be uh, competitive, you know, and how to fight through the pain of like racing at uh, a high level, even at a low level uh, running is difficult. So, you know, just going through that and being able to challenge myself, it really brought out um, a fierceness in me. That's amazing. Now, given your last name, Decola, which one is better, Coke or Pepsi? Uh, so surprisingly, actually not a soda guy at all, um, but I will go with Fruit Punch is my favorite uh, drink that's not <laughs> there water. There we go. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> nice. Nice. That's fair. I'll give that one to you. Um now, I, I, I kind of on the same idea of like this or that, I always ask this question to a lot of our guests on here. What's your, I know we're in cross country season, but what's your favorite cross country or track? Oh, cross country for sure. Um, <laughs> I feel that? like the team, because your team is all distance runners. So you, you bond together uh, a lot more than I feel like a track program can. Okay, that's fair. I like that. I mean, I if I had to guess, I would have said, I would have said you would have said XC. Um, it, it's, I agree with you completely. Like the camaraderie around, you know, the team mm -hmm. in that sport is just, just there. All right. Are you a Philly sports fan, Brian, at all? Baseball? Yes, football? I am. Uh, I don't really watch any other sports besides, you know, um, football, but I'm definitely an Eagles fan. 
Okay. <laughs> what, so the Phillies were in the World World Series. Uh, the Union were in the MLS Cup. They both lost. Do you have any feelings on Philly kind of getting knocked down again? You know, at least we made it there. Um, I think <laughs> it's a big accomplishment to make it there. <laughs> that is amazing. Yeah, that's that's very true. Now, Brian, just thinking about your playlist right now, what are your top three songs that you have on your Spotify playlist? Three favorite songs. Uh, okay, my favorite song is Empire Ants by the Gorillas. Uh, number two is probably All I Need by Radiohead. And number three, we'll go with uh, Rising Sun by Massive Attack. You know, I'm a big music fan, so that's why I had those right away. Nice. Is that all? Is that alternative? Is that all alternative music? Yeah, I think okay. alt, alt rock, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, gorillas are probably melancholy. Yeah, cool. I like those choices. Wow, good, good taste in music there. Um, <laughs> so I know you're not a soda guy, but are you a social media guy? I mean, I have Instagram. I have everything you'd expect me to have. Okay, so yeah, you have Instagram. Do you prefer Instagram or TikTok? Oh, I don't use TikTok, actually. I do have it, but I use it <laughs> once a year, honestly. A, a year, yeah. You're one of the few teenagers who hasn't ruined their minds yet with TikTok. Love that. <laughs> Glad to hear that. All right, so, Brian, as you're finishing up your senior year, National Signing Day is November 9th, which is tomorrow. You have verbally committed to Penn State. We're super excited for you. How are you feeling about moving on to the next chapter in your career? And what separated Penn State from the other schools that you were looking into? Uh, so I, I just kind of love Penn State. You know, um, I've been there many times for uh, the indoor state meets held there. And I've just loved coming up every time. You know, I've had other runners that I know uh, fondly go there too. So that's what kind of separated it. Um, but what was your other question? The first part of that? Are you, are you excited for the next chapter in your career? Oh, uh, yeah, definitely. Um, I'm hoping, you know, I don't have really any expectations for college yet, but I'm just hoping I can keep what I have in high school going. Absolutely. Happy Valley tends to keep you know, individuals happy, you know, nitty lines. Uh, uh, Brian, uh, congratulations on your huge cross country season is not over yet. We hope to see you. Uh, well, we will see you in Huntsville cause we will be there. Uh, but hopefully, uh, East champs sports as well uh, down the road. So, uh, best of luck. Okay. Yeah. Thank you very much. Uh, and thank you for having me. Absolutely. All right. That was an interview with Brian DeCole of Hepro Horsham, a really outstanding season this year. One of many who have really made that big breakthrough in 2022. Um, we are going to go over now to our, you know, weekly subject, the week that was. Um, and, you know, they're just stacking on top of each, each other. These weeks are the state championship. It was a huge week last week. Um, this week was similar in that there are just major, major championships action happening. We're going to break down uh, quite a few of them uh, one by one. So we're going to start first with Ashley. She was on the ground in Texas this week. What did you see? That's right. Yes, I was out in Round Rock, Texas at Old Settlers Park. And guys, I've never been to a Texas State meet before, and it was it was crazy. I have to say, for a variety of reasons, <laughs> it was really fun to watch. And you know, I got I know I got a video up here where you know kind of show some highlights. But you know, we saw some of the top talent you know nationally and in the state of Texas compete out here. Let's begin first with the six A highlights, guys. If you didn't believe in Flower Mound before this race, it's t definitely time to buy in now. They went one, two, three in this girls' race to win the six A state title. Um, 
Twins Nicole and Samantha Humphreys both went 1-2, clocking 1736.4. Nicole gets the win after a video review shows that she just barely beat her out by like fractions of a second. Um, you know, I talked to both of them afterwards. Sam told me that, you know, hey, going down the final 800 or so, they were like, let's try to tie this. And so that's basically what they did. Then on the 6A boys' side, you have Kevin Sanchez. He defends his title in 1526.3. Um, you know, like on the team side, like most probably predicted, you had South Lake Carroll, who won the boys' team race. They won with 62 points there. But Austin Vandergrift, you know, led by Kevin Sanchez there, took a decently close second with 81 points, an impressive 23-second spread there for South Lake Carroll to take that win. You know, we'll get into this a little bit later, but, you know, as you can see here on this video, we did have a bandit situation here in the 6A boys race, but we'll get into that shortly. Then in the 5A girls race on Saturday, it was Mackenzie Bailey of Georgetown who had the upset here over Isabel Condon Frankenberg of Cedar Park. She clocked 1736.4 for the win here. First title of her career as a senior in the team race it was Lucas Lovejoy who won the girls race. Then in the 5A boys race, it was David Mora gets the first title of his career. In his last try as a senior, he runs 15-15 to win here. And then like Lucas Lovejoy did in the girls race prior to this, it was Grapevine who dominated the 5A boys race in the team arena. 58 points to win their third straight team title. So those were some of the big highlights from the meet. And now we're going to go to Hershey, Pennsylvania. Absolutely. Great job there. So Pennsylvania State meet took place uh, this weekend at the Parkview course uh, in Hershey, Pennsylvania. Saw some electric races go down, and chief among them, uh, as we just spoke to Brian Nicola, was the boys 3A. It was a masterpiece. The two best runners in Pennsylvania, two of the, the best in, in the nation, went head-to-head, and you know they were undefeated. Uh, each of them were facing each other for the first time this season, and this race didn't disappoint. Uh, Drew Griffith went out to an early lead uh, on this course, which plays a little flat the first mile, as Brian said. And then as the race unfolded, Decola, you know, slowly but surely started making some surges on Griffith. And he took the lead uh, after the halfway mark. And, and as he kind of passes Griffith toward these, the, the last hill, you know, really surges toward the finish line. And he won in fifteen twenty four, which was a new course record here on the Parkview course, which was adapted back in 2016. Uh, he surpassed Patrick Anderson's best of 1525 in 2019. Uh, a really brilliant outing from Decola, But Griffith as well also ran really, really well. 1535, the only two boys in the 3A race to go under 16 minutes there. So they both deserve some credit for that. Um, only 24 boys have gone under 16 minutes on this course all time. Uh, Rory Lieberman, which Brian mentioned earlier, was at Paul Short uh, in, uh, in, I think, September, also broke uh, 16 minutes. He was in the AA race. He won that. Uh, in the AA girls race, Jolena Corzo and NC State uh, uh, commit won in, in the AA there. And then on the team front, it was North Allegheny front to back. The boys dominated. Uh, in the AAA race, and the girls dominated in the AAA race. Uh, particularly, the girls uh, put down a performance that ultimately, you know, catapulted them into the top 25 of the national rankings this week. So, North Allegheny with a really strong run to end the year here in Pennsylvania. We'll see what they can do as regionals uh, heats up in a couple of weeks here. But I will toss it to Olivia, who's going into Minnesota. 
Yes, as we continue breaking down all of the things state cross-country championships from this weekend, let's head over to Northfield, Minnesota. There were... in the 3A girls race, there were three girls that were under 18 minutes for 5K. And one of those girls, which we are very familiar with, is Abby Nekinekini of Wayzata High School. And she won her second MSHSL state cross-country title with a 1647. What is so unique about this time? It was a new state meet and course record. This was held by Emily Covert, where she ran a 1703 back in 2018. What's really exciting is they're about to be future teammates. She's at the University of Colorado right now. So Abby Nekinecki is just going to continue that on. She ran her fourth straight sub 17 minute 5K of the season. And this performance equaled a 158 speed rating, one of the highest speed ratings we have seen over this year. And alongside of that, we've been talking about the the competition between Manitonka and Wayzata, and Wayzata ended up with the team title with 39 points. All five runners finished in the top 22, which is super fantastic for them to solidify the win. Sydney Jevlo of Hopkins was second for the second year in a row. She ran a 17:39. Her performance is the eighth fastest girl state meet 5K time all time. And then Nora Hushagen of Forest Lake came in third with a 17.48. Now looking into the boys race at the mile mark, it was pretty, pretty close here with Aiden Jones, Sam Scott, Noah Brecker, and Nick Giles. Then moving into the second mile, it narrowed down to Sam Scott and Aiden Jones with 200 meters to go. This is where the champion decided to come through. And your champion for this year is Aiden Jones. And he won the time with a 15-11-73, which equaled a 189 speed rating. And he became the fourth fastest boy uh, to run that 5K time at the state meet just off Hassan Mead's 15-10.60 record. Sam Scott ended up being in second with a 15-15. This is the seventh fastest time at that state course. And then Nick Giles was third of Minnetonka with a 15-27. Noah Breckard fell to seventh, and he clocked a 15-33. Looking at the team title, I think what's really important here is Wayzata won both the girls' and the boys' team title. So you can see the the wonderful uh, runners here holding up their state championships. Uh, This is their top – all the top three – uh, runners here finished uh, in the top 11 on the boys' side, and all five runners were in the top 21. Rosemount scored 98 points, uh, and Lakeville North finished third with 103 points. That kind of wraps it up for Minnesota, so I'm going to hand it off to Corey, who's going to dive into the Oregon State Championships. A little bit of an upset there in the highest yeah. boys' classification in Minnesota there, too. Um, but mm-hmm. I'm sure we're going to see Noah down the line, so you know, one bad race aside, I think we'll, we'll see him again. Uh Oregon State Championships uh, this weekend did not disappoint. You know, if we look at the the landscape of of high school cross country and specifically the national rated teams, there's only five boys teams that have speed rating averages over 180 right now, and those are darn darn powerful teams. Portland Jesuit is one of them, and at the state meet this weekend, the number six Portland Jesuit boys really really just pounded down on on the course and really had a tremendous performance 33 points overall in 6a 1528 average 53 seconds spread jacob now won uh 6a in 1506 while jesuit had three more guys in the top 10 that included gus clevenger josh augustine and caden swanson this is a really really strong team in oregon and they were they were the same last year so there's they've been no stopping them. They haven't reloaded. They basically have just pushed forward. Um, 
So I, I love to see that in the 6A boys race. In the 6A girls race, Anna Peters, who I'm assuming might be Kate Peters' younger sister, uh, won in 1756. We have not seen Kate this year, but here we got young Anna really doing some things. So she wins 6A there in a good performance. I uh, want to mention here in the 5A race, the number 17 Summit Girls uh, performed really well. 36 points on the day, 1845 average. They are a sneaky, scary team to watch out for uh, this postseason. They were the 2018 national team champions. I don't know if they're up there with the top girls teams this year, but they will they will be in contention, I think, for a top 10 finish. Um, and then, you know, probably one of the best storylines overall was uh, Tyrone Gorzy in 5A. Ends up going 14-37 for a new 5K course record there. Uh, he led the number 11 Crater Boys with 30 points uh, and a really fast average of 15.34. That was only behind uh, Jesuit on the day. Um, uh, what also should be noted in 6A is Lincoln and West Salem were also under 16 minutes for an average. So overall, Oregon had some really strong team. And then uh, last footnote here is Alexander Garcia-Silver, who runs for uh, Coos Bay Marshfield, the the hometown of, of Steve Prefontaine, he won his second straight for a state title in fifteen twenty two. All right, Ashley, what do you got from Illinois? Guys, Illinois was pretty exciting this year, and I think you know. First off, we have to talk about this three A boys race. We had Plainfield Plainfield South versus Hinsdale Central by just one point. Plainfield South takes this boys title here in the three boys in the three A boys race. Eighty eight points to Hinsdale's. 89 points, guys. That's a crazy margin in a cross-country race. Um, you know, Hinsdale got the, the better team average, actually, with a 15-18 to Plainfield's 15-23. But like we say in cross-country, placement is what really, really matters. So, however it was, Hinsdale's Aiden Bonduguala, who gets first here, as you can see there, just gutting it out at the line, um, you know, in 14-46-15 for three miles. And then, you know, the key here was Plainfield got their fifth guy in ahead of Hinsdale, so that was key. Now on to the 3A girls race. You had Grace Shager, who has been dominating in the state so far this year. You know, she continued doing her thing. Look at her. She's already, you know, one mile in, out gunning for it, you know, ahead of all that pack there. She continued that dominance out there on the course. She won her first ever state title in 1640 for three miles. That equaled a 152 speed rating and won by almost 40 seconds. Again, as you can see, she just created a gap that, you know, she just never let up. Um, you know, she remains undefeated on the season in seven races contested. And then in the team race, it was Prospect who earned the 3A title with a low 39 points. Beat out, you know, some other state foes like York. Um, you know, they got a 17.47 average for three miles. Their top three runners all placed in the top ten overall to help their team to a win. So some pretty exciting team races out there in Illinois. And now we're going to move back to the Northeast with Olivia. I think she's going to tell us a little bit more about New Jersey. Yes, as Ashley mentioned, lots of great performances on the team side, and that still continued in New Jersey. Now, over the weekend, it was pretty hot up here on, along the East Coast. It was a hot day, but the performances, you guys, were sizzling. I'm going to dive into the boys' non-public A section, which featured CBA, and the boys threw it down. Joe Barrett, the sophomore, set a course record of 1543, which is a huge record for him. And collectively, as a team, this team put down one of the greatest races in meat history. They finished one, 
third, seventh, ninth, 11th, 12th, and 13 for the Colts who average a 16.06. And their spread from the first to the fifth runner was 38 seconds. And the split between the first and the seventh runner was 47. So Ashley always talks about placement matters. They had the placement on top of that. They had the spread amongst all of their seven runners, which is huge. So huge shout out to Joe Barrett, Nick Sullivan, Jack Flowowski, Lucas Ward, Zach Schroba, Alex Kemp, and Connor Flipper, Clifford for all of their great performances. CBA continued the legacy and extended their state record to 31 state championship titles. That is amazing. So CBA scored 31 points to win the title. Union Catholic, which actually finished second without Jimmy Wushin, they scored 62 points, and St. Peter's Prep was third with 92 points. Now, I want to briefly talk about the group for boys race because this had a really interesting storyline here at the end of october lucas ruganho from elizabeth high school finished third at sectional so he actually was faced with a medical emergency so he wasn't able to train as much as he wanted to leading up into the state championship so i think there were a lot of people that did not pick him as one of the favorites going into this race but that did not minimize his confidence so lucas here he made his move going up the hill and at the very top of the bowl from what he said in his post-race interview with miles Split, this was the toughest part of the race he became the first ever Elizabeth High School state champion. He clocked a 1539, which was the fastest time of the day. And he also had a really nice quote. He said, in order, you have to have a bad race to have a good one. And he ended up with a really great race over this weekend. So great performances out there in New Jersey. We're going to kick it back off to Corey, who's going to dive into the last week's national, uh, national meet of the week, which was Ohio. Yeah, it's very insightful have to have a bad mm-hmm. race to have a good one. I really like that. Mm-hmm. Ohio, Division One boys, 14 points separated first from second uh, in that race. Number 18, Mason, which had lost only once all year, and that came at Nike Town Invitational, uh, withstood a pretty good rally from St. Xavier. Ultimately, Mason won, most, won all of their meets, and they came out on top here. So Mason wins with 128 points to St. Xavier, which was the interesting part to this is that Mason's first guy came in at 18th place. St. Xavier actually was beating Mason through three runners, but this is where displacement comes in. This is where uh, depth comes in. Mason's next four, five, six, they, they all ran really well, and they beat out St. Xavier on the, on the heels of that depth. So Mason pulls out with victory in Division One. really earned a great win, and they are one of the great stories of Ohio this year. Uh, on the individual front, Hiller Davidson's Connor Ackley once again won 15 to 10 point 10. That's his second straight state title. Uh, he's had 13 wins across his junior and senior campaigns, had a really great last two years. On the girls' side, Olmstead Falls is Katie Clute. She finished out her, or she concluded her regular season with another win, 17-25. That was her 10th straight win this year and 18th since her junior and senior year. Uh, and, and impressively, this was her first state title. So Katie uh, finished things off really well there. Um, yet again, the Mason girls took the Division One title. Mason, like their boys team, was undefeated outside of one, mate, uh, one meet on the season. Uh, so the girls won again with 75 points. Uh, really uh, had a tremendous performance. And with that win, they're just outside the national rankings. I have them at 34 right now. Uh, but 
they they are a team in the Midwest, I think, to watch out for. Sneaky good team that could you know, really, on a good day, you know, finish in that top four and maybe even steal a berth to Nationals. So uh, really good performance from the Mason girls. Ashley, I think we got our last meet. What do you got here? Yes. Oh, my goodness. So much action from the weekend. So <laughs> I know we just talked about a whole bunch of state championships, but I want to, you know, touch a little bit on some of these sectionals meets that we had out in New York you know, within the past week or so. So I'll go through some of those highlights here. First, let's look to November 2nd, Section 9, Class B. You had Carrie Beloga, who's been a star all season. She runs 16.18 for three miles, 167 speed rating, guys. That's like one of the highest we've seen all season. Her and Irene Riggs have both clocked 167 speed ratings so far this season. Then on November 4th, we had the Section 6 meet. And in the Class C race, we had... Angelina Napoleon runs 17.52 for 5K, a 146 speed rating. In the Class A race, you had Lily Bogdan of sophomore from Frontier High School run 17.49 for a 148 speed rating. Now, guys, we're going to go to the Section 2 meet, the Class A meet there at those sectionals. I know we talked about them last week. They're now our number one ranked girls team. Saratoga Springs is really showing out. As you can see here, they were just dominant in this sectional. They Scored just a low 19 points to win. They place one, two, three, four, and nine to win, and they're led by Emily Bush, as you can see there. They all just sprinting to the finish right there. That's just crazy, you know. They have a 17 41 average for 5K in that race. Top four were all below 18 minutes and 21 seconds for 5K to secure the win. Then at the section three meet. Lastly, we had you know in the Class A race. The FM girls were able to beat CNS with 35 points. You had Kate Putman, who took home the win in 1846 for 5K. FM put four girls in the top eight overall to get that win. Now on the boys' side, you had the FM boys. They didn't win, but they got second to Auburn. FM was led by Nolan McGinn with the 1605 finish time for a 193 speed rating. Beat out Solomon Holden Betts in second by just a tenth of a second. It's a really close finish there in, in, for the individual race. But it's Auburn with the boys who win with 51 points, nine ahead of FM. So that wraps it up, I think, for our weekend that was. <laughs> yeah. I think this week and the next week are going to start to wind down the state championships. Yeah. Thankfully, because we've had a lot of them. This, obviously, this whole segment <laughs> took like 20 minutes. Um, but, yeah, we're going to start getting into the national regional system system pretty soon. So um, I think things are going to start to heat up in a, in a different way. We're going to move to our next segment, which is uh, a really interesting, wild, rare moment that you you just don't see in, in high school cross country. Uh, on Friday, a former University of Texas runner, Brendan Hebert, uh, decided to enter a high school state championship race wearing his old high school jersey and his old high school state championship bib from back when he graduated in 2018. Uh, he became... A story in and of itself at the Texas State Championships because he banded it, it um, illegally. We're going to get into this. Just I, and we'll start with you, Ashley, because you actually talked to Brendan after the race. You tracked him down and talked to him. You also talked to the UIL officials. I mean, what's going through your head as you're on the ground on Friday and you're just trying to sort of manage all of this information? Yeah, I have to say, I did not expect to, you know, have basically witnessed that go down at my first ever Texas State meet. It was 
pretty crazy. You know, I think we have a video here that it will kind of, you know, show some race footage, and I'll just kind of talk as you know this goes on. So, as you can see here, you have Kevin Sanchez who comes in, wins his title here, but then. 1526. Second place, you're going to have Brendan Heber, as like you said, the college kid, the 23 year old, finishing second. There he is wearing his red Lake Travis uniform and an old state bib. And, you know, I was out there on the course kind of running around getting, you know, videos for our mile split Instagram stories. And, you know, those will pop up there in a second, too. And, you know, at first, I didn't, you know, I, I realized something was off when, you know, I feel like Kevin Sanchez was a pretty well, a heavy favorite going into this meet. And, and when someone, when I saw Sanchez someone at the two-mile mark champ. in a red jersey now kind of put, a, like, a gap on Kevin there, I was like, hmm, who is this kid? Like, you know, I didn't even know what was going on. Here's them going through the first mile here. This was on our Instagram story there. You can see Brendan ahead of Kevin Sanchez right there. But then Kevin, yeah, after the two-mile mark, he took the lead there. I just ran it for fun. I ran it, me and Kevin, I knew Kevin from high school, so I was just in it for fun. You do know that's not allowed, right? You are a college kid. You can't race in a race, correct? I don't run in college anymore. Okay, but you're not in high school. This is a high school sanctioned event. You can't just, and you had a fake bib and a jersey from way back when. Why? Any other comment? That was some audio gotcha. from, yeah. Gotcha. I, Actually, gotcha journalism right there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I found him. He didn't, you know, he stuck around for a little bit after some searching and, you know, he, he spoke with me and that's what he had to say. And, you know, as I, I think as this was all happening, we were digging through some social media. There was a post up that just went up there. He posted on Instagram, you know, I think just a few days prior to this race, you know, this is last workout today before this weekend's race. Excited would be an understatement. So he definitely planned this. I got a question for y'all. Yeah. Do you think he believed it would have ended differently the conversation around this do you think he had a different like situational like do you think he had a a vision that it would end differently than it actually did i don't know i've been thinking about this a lot like i'm like i'm like what was really going through yeah like what what did he think the end result would be i've you know i've been i've been kind of keeping up with a lot of the the social buzz about this, you know, it's been gaining a lot of traction and, you know, a lot of people have said, you know, he probably thought maybe he thought that he would get kicked off the course at some point and not finish. That's the thing. He went on and finished this race Yeah, and he was sticking around and telling people, you know, supposedly, you know, what, you know, talking with spectators, what he did and what was going on. And I, part of me wants to say that maybe he thought that it, he wouldn't be in this race for very long. But then he also did. I mean, he spiked up. He prepared. He wore his jersey from high school. So then part of me is like, okay, he really treated this like, you know, he was going to go all out for this whole entire race. So, I mean, obviously I'm not Brendan, so I can't say. But what are your thoughts, Corey, there? Well, Olivia, do you have any Do you have any thoughts here, too? I just you want to get you in the conversation real quick. What are your thoughts here? Yeah, I think come Friday, I think all of us were just shocked because I just remember watching the social media and originally like just watching just the the live results coming through. It was saying like Reese Vanderson was up there. I'm like, wait, I've talked to Reese. I know who Reese is. This guy has, you know, if it is Reese, he's really gotten a lot taller since the last time 
that I've spoken to him. So it just kind of threw everything for a loop. And I think people were just really confused in what was going on. But like Ashley mentioned, like with the social media buzz and everything, like, again, I have not spoken to Brendan. I'm, I'm not in his brain either. But I would think with me lining up with the bib on, with the uniform singlet on, Raider race, and he was in the front too. So I would think he was probably trying to just get a solid race in and just try to compete and maybe, I don't know, see where he kind of fell along high school kids. Like what other reason would he have to hop in a high school meet? So I'm honestly, it's just been, it was, it was a very chaotic day on Friday. Um, just kind of just hearing this news. And I honestly think he probably was going in there with intention of like putting his best foot forward and seeing what came about it. But what were your thoughts about this, Corey? So this is only my personal opinion and I don't want to offer like anything where I feel like, Oh, I'm, you know, trying to place Brendan in, in, in a position where I know what's going on, but it's my opinion. I think, you know, he was, he was active on social media. He had posted about it. Part of me feels like this was a social media stunt. And part of me feels like what he may have envisioned was, you know, a really viral moment but like in a positive way. It didn't happen like that. Obviously, he gets called out immediately. I mean, this is not the time or the place to do this this little stunt. It's a high school state championship. This is like the peak of these athletes' careers, right? They're, they're, they're trying to have the best race possible, and you jump into a race, and, and you jeopardize that. Uh, it, it was just uncalled for. And, I mean, he, you know, nothing – Luckily, nothing happened to the extent of like no races were altered in, in, in a meaningful way. Kevin still won, but you know it could have ended up differently. We don't know that. Like, you know, maybe somebody would have jumped him on the course. Maybe he, you know, they, there would have been some kind of physical altercation. You don't know, but like this is not, you know, the ultimate theme here is you shouldn't have done it. You are a twenty-three-year-old, you know, you know, college runner that had been in the biggest positions you know all, all, on that team he ran at the NCAA indoor championships for a miler yeah like what are you trying to prove man like I don't I don't get it I I understand bandit bandit racing happens often in in road races and marathons but you know this is slightly unprecedented the only we did mention in the story but in 2016 one other high school runner uh, Terry Vericelli Terry Vericelli of Union City, New Jersey, you know, jumped in and out of races uh, back in 2016. And he, he earned a little bit of, of a reputation for doing it three separate times. Uh, the, the, the most audacious of them was in an indoor race where he jumped out of an 800 and then back in with 50 meters left. But just, I don't know. I'm just a little baffled by the whole situation. I don't know why you would do that. Yeah. And I, I also, I want to add in this clarification too here, you know, when I talked to him, I think the quote went that he wanted to have a fun race quote me and Kevin. I want to clarify too, that we did talk with Kevin afterwards and he has no, you know, he has no connection whatsoever to Brendan. Yeah. Cause I think there was, you know, some, you know, maybe on social media that was kind of insinuated, but again, it's just, it's very, very baffling. Not sure why you would pick the Texas 6A state meet as the meet to go do this at. And, you know, I think it does bring up some interesting points going forward. Like, is this something that we now need to, you know, officials need to think about going into races going forward? And, like, how do you even address this? Because, you know, you're looking at some of, 
you know, I looked at some of the race footage from Miles Split and then also, you know, some other spectator videos up on, you know, YouTube and social media and stuff like that. You can clearly see that when this race went off, Brendan was not, you know, there within the first, you know, from the start, you know, to about like the like 500, 400, 500 meter mark. But then once they get to that gravel road there leading up into, um, you know, kind of into that half mile, one mile mark, all of a sudden he's there. He's there. So yeah. it's obvious he, well, I, I don't want to speculate, but it seems like he probably found a way to sneak in and got into the race. So he didn't start on the start line. And it's kind of that question of how do you even kind of prevent this? But It's yeah. really tough in cross country where all of the, you know, the, the basically courses are wide open to the public. You can get right up against the lines, right? It's very hard to police this. And the biggest thing that maybe you have to watch out for now is copycats that want to try to be, you know, want to offer the same type of thing. Um, I hope it doesn't come to that um, because that would be difficult. The only way you can, I think, monitor this is if you close off the course with roping or, or, or you know, ties or something like that. But that that comes at a cost for race organizer race organizers too. Olivia, did you have something to add? Yeah, and I was just going to speak to like what separates cross country from a lot of other sports, and even just thinking about track and field. Like that's why we get so excited. Like I just think about running lane. Like all these you know, spectators coming in and getting close, like that's what brings the energy of cross country. And the fact that someone was just able to sneak into it, it's just like, I don't know what we should be doing moving forward to prevent this. Cause like we said, this is a state meet. This was these athletes time to shine. They've been putting in the work all season. We've been highlighting these kids for weeks upon weeks. Now this was their moment. And to all of a sudden have it, you know, it, we, you know, I feel like it was just kind of like the light was dimmed down a little bit because of this incident and it shouldn't have been like that in the first place. So again, there's just a lot of questions around what to do moving forward because, you know, cross country, that's why we get excited. We're up and close with the athletes. We get to be having that literally front row seat to just seeing who's running, what were their, you know, the packs are forming and things of that nature. So yeah, it's just, it's just interesting. So I highly do yeah. not recommend moving forward if you're thinking about banding a meet don't do it just please yeah. don't just not a good look overall okay well yeah. we've we've talked about that at length i think we're going to move into a more positive light now with olivia's popcorn moment of the week what is it yes i was super excited for the popcorn moment of the week i want to highlight iliana black of cambridge christian high school in florida she is a freshman that we've talked about multiple times over the over this cross-country season, she continued her undefeated year, adding her very first high school FHSA cross-country championship title in 1755. She was the fastest freshman of the weekend by nearly a minute. Now, just kind of looking at her season, this was her eighth straight sub-18-minute 5K race. And an interesting fact is, if she wins state titles over the next three years, then she would become the sixth girl ever all time to be a four time cross country champion in FHSA history. So the popcorn moment or popcorn athlete of the weekend is Ileana black for her amazing performance at the Florida state championships. Good stuff. All right. We are going to move next to speed ratings. We talk about them very often on this show and we, we uh, dictate basically our ratings from totally runners, uh, totally runners.com. Uh, puts together, you know, a wide swath of, of evaluations on uh, events. 
athletes, teams, and really great tool to use for the cross-country season because speed ratings evaluate performance over time and give you a quantifiable um, evaluation from that. So, you know, we've been talking about them all year, but we really want to contextualize what does it mean to have a high speed rating and possibly toward the end of the year, you know, which, which athletes with high speed ratings will have the potential to succeed down the road. And we're going to talk specifically about those athletes. So um, let's go to Ashley first. What's an at- who's an athlete that you really want to get into and how does their speed rating sort of um, tell some, a, a large story about themselves? Yeah, I think I, I want to talk about Tyrone Gorzy. You know, we talked about earlier in the show, you know, this past weekend at the Oregon State Championships, he clocked a 199 speed rating, 1437.9 to win the state title there in the Class 5A state champs. That's a new state meeting course record. He rebroke his own Lane Community College course record of 1441, which he set leading up to the state meet at the Midwestern League Championships. Now, looking at these speed ratings, you know, 199, that is one of the top ratings we've seen all season and one of the top, you know, ratings you'll most likely see for the rest of the year. You know, it's pretty rare to see anyone hit that 200 marker above that 200 mark. I mean, that's like whole other level talent. So that 199, crazy stuff. And, you know, if you look at some of the speed rated performances Gorsi's had so far this season, he had, he opened up in season with a 192 speed rating at Woodbridge. He won that there. 195 at the Midwestern Champs, where he ran that 1441 for that course record, then re breaks that course record, 1437, which gave him that 199. Only, well, I'll say only three boys now have speed ratings over 200 this season. That's going to be Leo Young with a 202, Lex Young with a 200. They both ran that, the A6 Clovis Invitational. And then this past weekend, we had Hunter Jones of Benzie Central at the Michigan State Championships. He registered a 201 speed rating running 1446 out there. So, you know, when you're looking at these speed ratings, especially on the guy side, I mean, that that puts Tyrone Gorsey right there in the national spotlight. Like, he is a legitimate contender for a national title as we go, you know, down into regionals and, you know, the nationals season within the next month or so. And, you know, especially I look at Gorsey too, you look at that consistent, like, upward progression of his speed rating. So he started off with the 192 at Woodbridge, and now he's hitting, you know, the 199 range. I feel like that shows that, He's taken this season, you know, as it comes, you know, meet by meet. And now he's probably, you know, reaching that peak fitness level. Good explanation there. Olivia, what what athletes are you going to describe here? Yes, I'm going to dive into Irene Riggs and Carrie Beloga, which is really interesting. Within the same week, they both scored the same speed rating of 167. And that is remarkable. So to just kind of break things down a little bit, just looking at what Irene has done already, she, her very first speed, speed rating that we have is a 151. And then, you know, of course, with Hurricane Ian and just kind of pushed everything around with her, her uh, competing schedule. But then at the state meet, earns a 167 speed rating to win her second straight uh, cross-country title and her second sub 17-minute 5K performance. Her 1632 became – she won her third straight – excuse me, her third straight state title and led Morgantown to the team title with 32 points. Irene Riggs is one of the national contenders along with Carrie Beloga. And what's interesting about Carrie as – Actually, talk about with Tyrone Gorsey, just looking at what she's done this season, 151, 153. Then she earned a 161 speed rating, a 160, and then a 167. So Carrie Beloga has already have three 160 speed ratings underneath her belt. 
Last Wednesday, she dropped the hammer at the Section 9 Cross Country Championships, which Ashley mentioned earlier when we were talking about the week that was. She clocked her third straight sub-16, 35, three-mile performance, and she won the title in a 16-18 for a new personal best. And they have state championships this weekend, so we'll just kind of see how she puts everything together. But as I mentioned, Irene and Carrie are both athletes that have earned 160 or higher speed range. They're the only two. Everyone else has been in the 150s and 140s. And both of them are contenders for the national title. So I think that's why it's so important to take into consideration these speed ratings. Because again, not all courses are the same. Not all times are going to be the same. We're all from different areas across the country with altitude and the hills and the flat, you know, cross country courses out there. So speed ratings kind of put everybody at the same playing field in regards to taking into consideration all those factors. And again, with their time. So as I mentioned, 160 and above Irene Riggs and Carrie and Beloga are the only two athletes that have done that. And they are definitely contenders for national titles as well. Yeah. I, man, that's going to be, once we get to nationals, I'm really interested. Like these girls are so talented, but I, I don't, really feel like i can like lock in on one yet i can't you- I, I can't either yeah. no no i feel like abby neck is in this conversation lily Cridge is in conversation you know like it's crazy on the girls side individually and i've been telling ashley this for weeks i'm like there is no there there are favorites yes but there's like five six seven of them that i i still feel like it's up for grabs i feel like i can't yeah. pinpoint right now who who could win a national title, you know? There's just so much now, talent, so much depth on the girl side. Absolutely. And on the boys side, I don't know about how you all feel, but I kind of feel like Leo and Lex Young are kind of boosted by this reputation um seen by others around them. I you know, I know there's really talented guys across the US. This is one of the most competitive years we've had in some time. Simeon Birnbaum, Rocky Hansen, um, Connor Burns, uh, you know, they're, they're Hunter Jones, they're all these great guys, but I feel like it's still coming back to Leo and Lex Young, who are kind of leading the country. I think Newberry Park is a little bit, uh, it, so far, they, they're they a little bit underrated. And, and, and I'll tell by what I mean that by that is that like they've only ran hard pretty much twice on the season. So we haven't gotten the kind of, exposure or press that we saw last year out of this team which was doing some you know things we've never seen before so it almost feels like they are a bit um you know underrated in the sense that we're not really talking about them that much but the reality is Mm -hmm. that they came off of clovis you know leo picked up a 202 on that course lex picked up a 200 um those are two of three over 200 this year. Uh, Ashley just mentioned Hunter was the third. Last year, only seven boys had speed ratings over 200 uh, points. And both Leo and Lex were in that conversation. They did it at running late. So I, I think they have progressed from that point. They are still the guys to beat in the country up until somebody actually does it. And what what helps them is they are confidently front runners. They don't mind really setting a tone in a race they don't mind going out hard keeping that pace really forcing guys into uncomfortable um you know situations i think simeon connor rocky all these guys are going to figure out pretty quickly just what 
Leo and Lex are all about when they're on the course together. And I'm really looking forward to it. But I think Leo and Lex have distanced themselves in in both a mental and a physical way in cross country this year. So I'm really excited to see what they do uh, down the line. All right. Speaking of, of nationals, I think we should get to the, the girls regionals. You know, a couple of weeks back, we talked about the, the, the top boys regional at, at team nationals. And now we're going to go into who we believe has the best uh, grouping of teams uh, in, in their respective areas. So, uh, Olivia, I'll start with you here. What what region in Team Nationals has the the strongest grouping of teams? Yes. So looking at the team's perspective, obviously we have Cuthbertson in that mix, Morgantown's in the mix. I think just looking at that, that's specifically the Southeast region. And again, you have a handful of other individuals like Irene Riggs, Kara O'Shea, Alyssa Suaro, Leah Stevens, Tyce Raleigh. We have five girls that are under 17 minutes. And of course, we have other individuals that are kind of right there on that cuff. But just looking at the team's perspective, and Ashley brings up a very valid point, which she'll talk about in a little bit. But, you know, we can't count out Cuthbertson and Morgantown. Morgantown, I feel like I I give Simeon Birnbaum the silent hawk. I feel like Morgantown, for me personally, is one of those teams that I think I personally had underrated going into this 2022 season. They have proved over, you know, with the state championships, especially being led by Irene Riggs, if they decide to go through, you know, this, this, you know, going through, uh, you know, team nationals, it's going to be interesting. Cuthbertson along the mix too. North Carolina, they have the history too. Ashley can, we'll talk about for days about North Carolina. So Cuthbertson is also on that girl's side, looks really strong as well. So I think the Southeast region is, is a developing region that I feel like could add a lot of flavor um, into this mix going into nationals. But I know Ashley really dives into um, the Southwest region. Ashley, why don't you talk to us a little bit more about what is comprised in that region and why it's so, so much in depth as well? Yeah, you know, I mean, even first off, I'll say, like, to be honest, I feel like just looking at all the regions, they're all like pretty, pretty stacked this year. I mean, you can go through the list. And I mean, like the amount of athletes under 17 in the teams that are like, you know, some of the national caliber runs, like they're spread out all over the place. But I do want to focus on the Southwest region here. You're going to have, you know, I think the most intriguing thing about this is that you're going to have all these teams from Colorado and Utah who have been two of the deepest states this year. All these divisions now, they're competing against each other, you know, like because you had, for example, in Colorado, you had, you know, people in the 5A and the 4A, you know, divisions on down, but they weren't competing against each other. The regionals gives them a chance to go head to head. And, you know, so looking at this region, the top three girls in the region are all under 1654 for 5K this season. You have Emma Stutzman with a 1644, Ella Hagen with a 1645, Brooke Wilson, Valor Christian, 1653. So it's going to be hard, you know, individually to come away with a Nationals bid in the Southwest. And then you add people like Lauren Pang out there, you know, in Valley Christian in Arizona, Jane Hendegren of Timfew, Utah, Avalyn Meckham of American Fork in Utah to the mix. And it becomes, I mean, that's one heck of a regionals field right there. Um, you know, it's worth noting that, you know, some of the top teams like Cherry Creek, they're going to running lane. So they won't be in this regionals conversation here. They're not looking for team Nationals. But looking at the team mids, you'll still have the top Colorado teams of Air Academy, Valor Christian, Arapahoe, not to mention Niwot, American Fork, and Lone Peak out in Utah. So I think that makes it a, a very, very intriguing region to keep an eye on. Um, so I think the Southwest could be pretty deep. And 
Um, you know, Corey, I think you're going to dive into the Midwest here. Yeah, respectfully, I disagree with both of you. Uh, when we're talking about the top <laughs> regions, top teams in the regions, I mean, Southwest has probably a lot of depth, obviously, as you said. Um, they, they come down from altitude. But when you consider when you actually qualify and you get to the national meet, how do those Southwestern teams compete on the day in, in that environment in Portland? Not often you know, do you get really consistent teams? You might get one or two, but you won't get all of them. Um, So that hurts Southwest a little bit. Southeast traditionally has been, um, you know, not as strong. Cuthbertson, though, I I will give total credit for them. They look amazing this year. Um, And and Morgantown can surprise. But, you know, to to me, the, the Midwest always is the the best region, I think, because they come out of an environment that prepares them for anything on a course. Uh, and you look at the best teams right now in the Midwest on the girls' front, Prospect and York. Um, if you take away York from from the Midwest, York is winning in any any state other than Illinois. They are a phenomenal team. They just happen to have Prospect in their same division this year. So Prospect had to win this weekend over York. But those two teams are powerhouses. And I think when they go to the regional, they're going to prove that yet again. Now, beyond them, though, like Noblesville, uh, third-ranked team in the Midwest, they are the Indiana State champion. Uh, that is a, a really tough state to get out of, and they're going to be battling with the best of Illinois at the regions. Um, Ann Arbor Pioneer finished third at their state meet, but you know traditionally they are one of the best teams in the Midwest because they know how to handle the environmental factors. Um, Holland West Ottawa is going to surprise some people, I think. Uh, and then we also have Columbus North on the Ottawa mention list. I think just overall Midwest teams, they have that grit. And when we talk about cross country, that it factor that you need uh, beyond just running fast and having great you know, mental fortitude, you need that it factor. And I think Midwestern teams have it. So I'm going with Midwest here. Uh, but we will uh, see over the next couple of weeks what goes down, what happens. Uh, we'll have coverage of team national regionals as it, as it goes down. So uh, thank you for that segment, ladies. Um, even though I won, correct? I won the segment. Is that, is that correct? <laughs> I guess. I don't know. Just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. All right. Um, we're going to go to another fun one. Uh, Ashley's TikTok segment. Uh Ashley's got three TikToks here we're going to look at and explain why they were fun and stuff. All right, what do you got? That's right. You know me. I was looking at TikTok all weekend, and it was a big re- weekend on social media and the running community. I got three that really caught my eye here. Some are funny. Some are just kind of intriguing and interesting. So we'll discuss them. We'll watch them and discuss them. So first off, I want to lead it off. So this was posted to the Mile Split Tennessee account. You have Sevier County High School. They, call- they qualified one athlete. For the Tennessee 3A state championship meet this past weekend, Nathan Tall. And they really set him off in style here. Let's take a look at what, um, you know, went down at this high school. Well, when your school gives state send-off for one runner.
See, I think the funny part about that, that video awesome. is that you see this whole band coming and you're expecting like this huge team to be falling behind and then it's just the, the one kid. But I mean, hey, kudos to them. Yeah, I think that band is like, they're going to play, be playing until they die. They're like, they're just gonna be like, are we still playing? Are we, are we going? What, what's happening here? When do they stop? I don't know. So yeah, that was pretty cool. You don't really see that sort of stuff in, you know, with cross country very often. So that was pretty cool. Now, I know we are, you know, one of the leading news networks for high school track and field and cross country, (laughs) but one of the biggest happenings in the running world in general over the weekend was the New York City Marathon. That was all the buzz. I mean, obviously, it was, you know, it's one of the biggest marathons in America and then, you know, one of those majors in the world as well. And so these next two TikToks I'm going to show you have to relate to that. First, this one was just funny. It just gave me a good laugh. Let's take a look at this guy here (laughs) running the marathon, you know, Doing something a little crazy. Creep on in, on in, on in. Oh, come on, guy. <laughs> He's balancing a pineapple on his head. <laughs> Can you imagine doing that for a full mile? Uh, this His name, he's, his name is Moshi Lederfein. He's 69 years old, lives in Israel. Um, he did the same pineapple balancing act, I believe, in the Berlin Marathon as well, which was just about a month ago. I mean, I can't even imagine. That's that's a little. Is this wacky. just like a Guinness Book of World Records, like longest? That's what know, I was pineapple. going to ask. That's what I want to know. <laughs> I, I couldn't find any. Act. I couldn't find anything about you know any sort of world record, but I'm sure there's. He's got to have some sort of record for that. I I mean, yeah. not many people doing that. Um. So there we go. Good laugh there from the marathon. Then lastly, this one's actually a little more scary to me. Um. This here's we got this video here, which just kind of puts into perspective just how long 26.2 miles through the city of New York actually is. Let's take a look at this for, you know, just a little bit. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? That is massive. And I know I, I reached out to you guys and I was like, you know what? Running a marathon did cross my mind, but after watching this TikTok, I was like, I'm definitely second guessing if I really want to sign myself up for this. It's just mentally, I know a marathon is long, but actually just visually looking at it, I don't know if I'm interested anymore. <laughs> Corey, you've run a marathon, right? Uh, several, actually. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, the, the New York Marathon is a bucket list item. You go through all the five boroughs. Like, you know what you're getting into when you run a marathon. I think, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It, it is 26.2 miles. Like, Yeah, what, but just like seeing have? it, I don't know. Like, that just made it look so much longer. And maybe, I don't know. Now I'm a little scared. Yeah. Like, okay, I si- I've signed up for a marathon. And I saw this after I've already signed up. And now I'm a... Now it has me a little nervous. But, I don't know. But I think point-to-point marathons are actually a lot better than, than um, like, than loops. Than loops, yeah. Yeah. I, I'd rather have a point-to-point than because you're seeing so loop much is of monotonous. the city. Yeah. You're seeing so much of New York. And, and, like, New York's one of the rare marathons where there's people everywhere. That is true. 
It's fun. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Well, yeah. there you have it. My three well, top we, TikToks we, from the weekend. We scared <laughs> off Olivia and maybe Ashley yeah. from the marathon altogether. From that <laughs> Don't worry. I'm still going to do it. I'm still going to do it. Gotcha. <laughs> All right, our last segment of the day is uh, National Meet of the Week. Uh, this week it is the Virginia State Cross Country Championships, which will be held at Great Meadows in the Plains of in the Plains of Virginia. Uh, it's just southwest of Washington D.C. and it's a pretty hard course. But we're going to get into the athletes and the teams that we expect to perform well here. We're going to start first with the girls' storylines. What are the top storylines, athletes, teams to watch out for? And Olivia, I will go to you first. Yeah, I took this from the individual perspective. I think the girls 6A race is going to be very interesting. We're going to see another matchup between Jillian Bushy and Tice Raleigh. Now, Jillian Bushy from Hurden, and she's also University of Virginia commit. This girl's a rising star, y'all. Like, I have, she caught my eye after the third battle invitational where she won the race in a 1719 and earned a 144 speed rating for her efforts. This past weekend, she won the Northern Region Cross Country Championship, clocked to 1709 for three miles and edged out Tice Raleigh. Now, Jillian also won the Liberty District Cross Country Championships against Raleigh as well and won that too. Just looking at the history of what Bushy has done over the last two years, she was third at States in 2020. She was seventh in 2019. So here's an opportunity for her to grab that state title. Now, Tice Raleigh of McLean, who's also a Duke signee, I don't want to counter out of this either. She is the key, the key to her qualifying through the rounds. I think for her is she had a chance to run against Jillian Bushy and is capable and knows what she is capable of doing. She's ran, ran and raced against her a handful of times already this season. And plus, on top of that, something that we've had a conversation about is Raleigh actually debuted her cross-country season a little bit later than, than normal, which I think could be in her favor in the long run. She was second last year at the 6A state championships behind Sailor Eastman, and she's looking to reclaim her title, which she won back in 2020. So I think it's going to be a great matchup for for Jillian and for Tice Raleigh to go head-to-head in that 6A classification. Ashley, anything else to add? Yeah, so Olivia, great job there breaking down some of those favorites in the 6A. I'm going to look at the girls' 5A classification now. You have, going into this race, you have three girls in the 17s this season for 5K. You have Lily Ginn of Maury, 1734. Sydney Walters of Deep Run, she's run 1753. And Ellie Velasquez of Glen Allen, she's run 1757. Ginn is your top returner. She finished third last year in 1911. Or she is a top returner, but the top returner is Jenna Coleman, actually, of Albemarle. Second last year in 1905. Looking at the team race there, Deep Run is going to be your title favorite, led by Sydney Walters. They have a 1904 team 5K average this season, so they're the favorites going into the 5A race. Corey, any thoughts there as well? Yeah, I I just have a footnote here, and and shout out to Nolan Jezov of of Milestat here for providing it. But uh, Blacksburg's girls team have now made the Virginia State Championships for 41 straight years. That's incredible in the 4A division. Um, they go into the race not as a favorite. Their team average is right around 1910. Uh, but they were second to Loudoun Valley last year in 2021. They're always in the mix uh, at the state championships, regardless of of the team, the new team, whatever. They, they're they're always in there. So Blacksburg's been at states 41 straight years on the girls' side. 
We're going to move to the boys' storylines. Uh, I do want to shout out a, a couple individuals first. This doesn't. This is kind of you know parallel to Virginia, and that we're going to talk about the the IAC and MAC championships, which, which took place in Maryland on October 29th. But one to shout out Charlie Ortmans and Pierre Adagabe. Um, they they both performed really really well, and those two guys, I think we could be seeing them at, uh, at the Champ Sports Regional now. Ortmans, uh, who we've talked about at length on this show he's a harvard uh, commit he ran 1539 on that agricultural history farm park course in durwood maryland and uh, that was a really great performance but he wasn't the fastest on the day that was pierre who ran uh, 1534 um, at the iac championships ortman's was in the mac Bay was in the IAC. Uh, those two performances represent number five and number four all-time performances on the courses all-time. Those two guys, I think, even though they're in private schools, de- deserve some shout-outs. So I wanted to get mm-hmm. to that first. But let's move over to the Virginia State Championships. And, and Ashley, we can start with you first. Yeah, let's look at the boys' 6A race first. Your top entered athlete is going to be Owen Parrish, the junior from James River. He's run 1454 this season. That got him fourth at the mile stat. Invitational earlier this season. He finished 11 last year in this meet, but he had a breakout junior season this fall, especially with that first sub 15 performance of his career at Milestat. Looking at the team race, you're going to have WT Woodson versus Patriot. WT Woodson, they have just a 16 second 1 through 5 spread. That's like pretty remarkable. That's fourth best in the country so far this season, and that could be the big X factor for them to win a state title this weekend. Now looking at the boys' 5A classification, you have Berkeley Nance, the junior from Mills Godwin. He was third at Milestat with a 5K PR of 14.51. He is your defending individual champion, so he'll look to win his second consecutive state title here this weekend. And then in the team race, Glenn Allen enters as the favorite. They have a 15.56 5K team average this season, and they have three guys under 16 minutes for 5K, so they could win away with that title there. Olivia? Yes. So as Corey mentioned, Blacksburg, we have an athlete on the boys side, Connor, who is looking to grab his first 4A uh, state title here. He's your top 4A returner from 2021 as he finished fourth. And all season, he's just been looking really strong. He set a new personal best at that mouthstat.com cross-country invitational where he clocked a 1459 to finish fifth overall, which ranks him number four in the state of Virginia. He also won the VHSL Region 4D Championships in 1539, and he has already had four races under his belt that were under 16 minutes for 5K. Now, he will receive competition from two other athletes I feel like could be and add some flavor into this mix. You have Owen Shiflett, who is who is your second fastest returner from the state meet last year. He finished second to Connor at the Region 4D Championships with the 1554, and then he finished seventh at last year's championships. Alongside with him will be William Purdue, who could also be in this mix. As I mentioned, just like Connor, he set a new personal best at the milestat.com invitational where he ran a 1510 and he finished seventh there, and he's ranked number six in the state of Virginia. So I think the class four, a boys is going to, it's going to be a battle for that top three finishes, especially with these boys going head to head here once again. Um, but like I mentioned, they competed at the milestat.com invitational, you know, Owen and Connor face each other at their regional meet. They kind of got some, you know, their familiarity again, once again. So it's going to be interesting to see how this boys races unfold over this weekend. 
yeah, stay tuned for more coverage on milestat.com, which will be covering the state championships on the ground. We'll have interviews, race videos, and, and more. I, that's safe to say we'll have <laughs> and more, yes. correct? And yes. more. <laughs> yes. Correct. Awesome. Well, uh, we this is our show for t- today. Uh, it's been a long one, but a good one. And uh, as always, it's been a pleasure uh, talking with you ladies. Uh, anything going on this week that you want to talk about you know we got the uh we got the season finale of love is blind coming on tomorrow olivia i don't know if you've you've seen this i have not kept up with that actually i need to look into that i know we were talking about alaska daily ashley yeah have you haven't hopped on the wagon no she is not well i guess it's on my list it's on my list It's but really good. Love is, I think you'll Love like is it. Blind was filmed in Dallas uh, this season. So a lot of uh, <laughs> kind of, you know, the, the the regional bias is there. Like we're, we're just, well, I, Ash and I are in Austin, but, you know, it's close. It was close to us. So I feel it's a little closer to my heart, Olivia. So I want to see what happens. <laughs> I, I refuse okay. to watch any sort of dating reality show. I'll leave that to you two. Mainly Corey. I'll leave that to Corey. <laughs> and, Cor- Corey and Kat. Uh but uh, all right, ladies, it was fun. We will be back next Tuesday to talk more high school cross-country news. We'll talk to you soon. See ya.